Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Danny G, what's the update here? Well, she just called us from her Europhone, and it's a little bit choppy, but I can understand her. So if you want to try to go with it, we can do it right now. Let's try it. Europhone, Alex Curry in France as they get ready for the game against Spain. Let's see how this goes. Alex, can you hear me? Hello? Hey, yeah, we got you. What's shaking? Oh, awesome. Hi, greetings from Ron. So uh, to put the context in here. Where's the game? What, where in the world in France are you? And what do you expect the vibe to be like? <laughs> I'm in France, which is the Champagne region of France. It's about a two-hour drive outside of Paris. And the atmosphere at all the U.S. games have been absolutely insane. USA fans have, have come out so hard to France. So, I mean, this is the first knockout round. So it's it's going to be an exciting one tonight. So uh, what would you say? So first of all, how much fun are you having in France? You've been over there for a while. I think it's a couple of <laughs> weeks. Um, and uh, I remember yeah. when you were guest hosting Lock It In, we were saying we were a little bit jealous that you get to go to France for a month. Have you gotten the sense that, uh, that the country cares a great deal about the Women's World Cup? As we now get into the knockout round last night, France got a huge win uh, in, uh, in added time. Oh, yeah. And so they, France will play the winner of this Spain-U.S. game. Is the country starting to kind of get engaged? Uh, obviously, soccer is massive over there, and the French women have now advanced to the, uh, the round of eight. 
It has been incredible, and they've been all for it from the get-go. I, I mean, just the fans and the crowds that have come out for both the French and the U.S. games have been incredible, and that's kind of the match everyone's kind of been circling. Obviously, USA can't look past the match tonight against Spain. This is a big one. It's a must-win. But from the get-go, everyone has kind of been circling that possible France-USA matchup. So there's been a ton of buzz. I mean, the U.S. is, it's felt like a home game at every single match. It's sold out. It's packed. They are chanting before in the streets, after in the streets. The American outlaws have come out in full force. And it is, it's been a show. It's been truly incredible. And just how welcoming the French have been to the U.S. team from the moment they arrived at their hotel. Because we actually started here in Reims was our first group stage game. And they had the mayor here who was welcoming them. They had like a greeting dance. And just everywhere they go, they've been very well received. How big is this town that they're playing in today? It's on the smaller side. They're, they're like little towns. There's a bunch of little towns in Ronce. Um But Ronce itself, I don't know. I mean, do you feel like the U.S. fans are kind of like taking over, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to. It's not like this is Paris. 100%. No, 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 no. It's like when the U.S. is in Ronce, every single shop, every single restaurant is just filled with U.S. fans in jerseys and totally decked out in gear. And the American Outlaws do these these pre-party things and they do marches to the stadium. Jenny Taft's been actually following along and documenting all of that. So I actually haven't been there in person for those, but I've seen the footage and then I see them when they're in the stadium. And like I said, it's a packed house every single match for the U.S. All right, so let's go to the game itself uh, on the field, which will be uh, noon Eastern on FS1. First of all, Alex Morgan got pulled uh, with what was reported to be a relatively minor injury, I think, in the final game against Sweden. Do we expect her to be 100% uh, by the time of the game today? At the presser yesterday, Jill Ellis said she and Julie Ertz are both fine, so that's what we're going off of. Uh, Again, they have been, they took her out for precautionary reasons. They believe they have a deep enough lineup that it's okay to do that. And as we've seen that, we've, we've seen almost every single player on that team log a cap and get in a match just in the first two games. So we, we won't know until the lineup comes out, but from what Jill Ellis was saying yesterday, she seems to be okay and just fine. Uh, the U.S. women have basically, I mean, they set an all-time record with dominance, scoring 13 goals in their first match, yeah. continuing to beat down uh, both uh, of the next two competitors as well. How good is Spain, and how close is the expectation that this game might be? Well, so the U.S. didn't have a, a history with Spain until they scheduled a friendly with them earlier this year, and they did that on purpose just so they could get an idea of the style of play they have. Um, they're going to be a tough match. They're a great technical team. They're great with ball possession. But when you look at the U.S., they're so strong in so in so many different categories that if they're playing their game, they're continues to do what they're doing, keep possession, they're good in transitions, they're going to be hard to beat. But it should be a solid match this afternoon. I just tweeted out Alex's Twitter account. She's at Alex underscore Curry. You can follow her there. Um, you can uh, you can keep tabs on how she is doing. 
and 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 how the coverage of the U.S. women's team is going. Do you get the sense that the U.S. women are extremely confident, maybe even overconfident, or what kind of vibe, having followed the team, do you get now as they enter the knockout stage? And really, the stress level, in theory, goes up a great deal here because it's win and advance or lose, and your your tournament is over. And the thing with this U.S. team, yes, they're confident, but you need confidence to be at this level and to be great. And they're just having such a fun time. And you can see the chemistry that they have both on and off the field really plays a big part in how they fight for each other on the field. And they're just, everyone just keeps saying how fun they're having. And it's such a good vibe with this team. They call each other the 23 best friends. And the fact that they spent 10 days together in a little bubble in London training before they came out to France has really made all the difference for this group. I mean, they've kind of known the core for the past year, but then having that time in London, this team is just on a different level right now. They're so locked in. They're so focused. And they've all 23 players have bought into what they're doing, and that's why they're having such success. So we've got a new goalie. Hope Solo was with the U.S. women forever and had a tremendous amount of success, also was a bit of a terror off the field, and sometimes with the commentary that she would deliver uh, as the goalie as well. Who is the new goalie, and uh, what is the expectation for her in the event? At some point, it's likely to be the case that one of these games comes down to her performance. So far, she hasn't had to do a lot. What do we expect from her, and what can you tell us about her in general? Yeah, so Alyssa Nair, I mean, she's been with this this team for quite some time. She was with them when they won the last World Cup. This is her first, her first real big opportunity as the number one goalie, and she wasn't tested you know, as much as we would have liked to see in the group stage. But talking to all of the teammates, everyone has 100% confidence in her back there, just from her work ethic in training and in the game. Um, Carly Lloyd said she's, you know, she's a quiet person and keeps to herself, but she is just such an amazing human. And it seems like everybody on this team believes in her. And, yes. Yeah tonight and, and moving forward hopefully is when we're, we're going to see her get tested so the u.s women will play against france next game assuming that they can beat spain any chance or worry or possibility that they could be looking for uh, looking forward to what i would imagine will be a massive game if they win when do they play again and i believe this game would take place in paris which would really kind of ramp up the overall attention right oh yeah like i said from the go everyone's kind of circled that date already on the calendar the buzz the vibe i mean they have kind of been the two top teams the favorite teams here obviously being the the host the host country in france and usa being the defending champ so it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting i think we've still got alex there let me ask this last question if we've still got her there well, unfortunately, Clay, she dropped, but she made it nine minutes long there in That France. was pretty solid. Yeah. That was pretty solid uh, cell phone. So, well, thanks to Alex. Uh, you can go follow her on Twitter at Alex underscore Curry. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their trip of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit FishingBooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer. 
installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This story happened a while back, and I thought it was so insanely stupid that it couldn't be real. You may remember on this show, we talked about a TMZ sports report that the NBA was considering banning the term owner because it was racially insensitive. I swear to God, this was the real story on TMZ. And we came on, and I think I did a poll See if somebody, Dub or somebody else, see if you can look up the results of our poll as to whether my audience thought the term owner was racially insensitive. And if you're out there and you're like, well, how in the world is the term owner racially insensitive? Well, connected to slavery. Evidently in the NBA, the only thing that's ever been owned are slaves. Even though you own your house, you own, uh, you might own a lawnmower, you might own a car, you might own a, you might be a pet owner, uh, right? You might have a dog or a cat, snake, if you're crazy, other sundry, other animals. So the NBA decided, uh, was having a conversation about whether or not the term owner was offensive and whether it should be banned. Well, Adam Silver was asked about this. Adam Silver is the commissioner of the NBA and he was asked about this by TMZ Sports and he gave an interview And he says, yes, they have, in fact, I swear to God, this is real, banned the term owner. And what did they replaced it with? Governor. So the 76ers owner moved away from the term owner and now goes managing partner, right? Um, Do you see that happening more in the NBA? Do you like the idea that moving away from that term owner? I I do. I don't want to overreact to the term because, as I've said earlier, people end up twisting themselves into knots, avoiding the use of the word owner. But we moved away from that term years ago with the league. We call our team owners the governor of the team and alternate governors. But so I I think it makes sense. As as I said, I I don't want to overreact and you'll find the word throughout memos over the past decade in the NBA, but I'm sensitive to it, and I think to the extent teams are moving away from the term, we'll stick with using governor. Have you had had, uh, positive feedback from some of the players and whatnot from this? Yeah, again, uh, players have gone both ways. I think a few players have actually spoken out and saying the greatest thing that ever happened was when Michael Jordan was able to call himself an owner, but of course, Draymond Green has been very public about the fact that we should be moving away from the term, and I completely respect that we are living in an utterly absurd universe when the term owner is considered to be offensive i i just first of all every person on the planet and certainly every american should aspire to ownership it is something that Every single person, white, black, brown, green, blue, purple, pink, every single person, regardless of race or ethnicity or gender, should aspire to ownership. One of the things I bet 
for the vast majority of you out there driving around in your cars on the way to work, one of the reasons you're going to work is because one day you hope to be a homeowner. You hope to own the home that you live in and to be part of the ownership society. If you don't own a home, you hope to own a car. You hope to own a bike. You hope to own something rather than renting. The word owner is an aspirational title. The idea that the NBA would become so woke that they would replace the term team owner with governor. First of all, there were racist governors too, by the way. As if the term governor doesn't have racism associated with it too. Go back and look at what George Wallace said and did as governor. Go back and look at what many of the governors of states in this country did. A bunch of them seceded from the United States. This is so insane that I I am just, my mind is blown here. That we have so overdefined racism in this country now that the NBA, as part of the most uber-woke society that has ever lived, is banning the term owner and replacing it with governor. I mean, my mind is utterly blown by the stupidity of this. And one of the challenges that you have to operate with, I'm just telling you this in general, is you got guys who are making $100 million a year almost, guaranteed contracts, $30, $40 million a year, over $100 million guaranteed, that have absolutely nothing in common with the average person who's hoping to get his ticket to go watch them play. One of the real challenges that exists in the world of sports is the growing disconnect between the multimillionaire players and the fans. And one of the things I think you have to be careful of is not going so absurdly woke that you alienate your overall audience. We did a poll. Dub, did you find my poll? I think it was 96% of people thought that the NBA banning the term owner was utterly ridiculous. And we had like 40,000 people vote. Now, I'm not saying my audience is 100% representative of the nation, but I am saying that if you can get over 40,000 people to vote in any poll and 96% of them agree, this is an unbelievable perspective. Right, Dub? Do you have that poll in front of you? Yeah, I do. It's from June 4th, and you hit it right when on the nose. This story initially hit with TMZ on June 4th, the idea that the owner, the term owner was potentially going to get banned. Uh, and we uh, we had it out there. How many people ended up voting? Just over 40,000. You're right. 96% agree. I mean, over 40,000 people voted in that poll. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to open up the phone lines right now. Is there a single person in my listening audience who believes the term owner should be banned and the term governor should replace it. 877-996-6369. A single person in all 50 states, in all of our 300 affiliates, satellite radio, streaming, 
a huge audience is listening to us this morning right now, right? Huge representative audience in America. You just heard Adam Silver tell TMZ that they have replaced the word owner in the NBA with governor. They refer to owners now as governors. It is, I mean, all right, let's, I'll I'll go around the horn here. Again, open phone lines. Over 40,000 people voted. 96% of you said that it was not a racist term, right? That this was not a racially insensitive term. Some people might say, why do you care? And I'll tell you why I care. Because if we continue to devalue words like this, we have reached such an absurd boy who cried wolf status in this country. If the use of the word owner is racist, I'll tell you what the vast majority of people out there do. They just say, I'm dialed out of this conversation. I don't care anymore. We have so overcreated the space of racism. If the word owner is now racially insensitive, this is how Donald Trump gets elected president of the United States. I mean, I'm just going to be straightforward and honest with you. Because a huge majority of the country may not like Donald Trump. They may, in fact, think that he is uncouth, that he is unhinged at times on social media, and that he speaks in a way that they do not find presidential. But if you make them choose between a guy like Donald Trump or someone like Adam Silver, who is going to tell us all that the word owner is offensive and needs to be replaced, the majority of the country is going to pick Donald Trump. They are. Because they're going to say, I might think Donald Trump is crazy at times, and I may not be happy with the way that he behaves, but on a visceral level, the idea that the word owner is offensive is so patently absurd to me, I cannot vote for somebody who would believe something like that to be in a position of power. And that's the way that people respond oftentimes from their gut. Am I going to support this crazy, loony person who is making an argument that is patently absurd that the word owner is racially insensitive or am I going to support this guy who I may disagree with a lot of things on but he is at least willing to stand up to the total loony bin members of our society. I want you to think about how does somebody like Adam Silver end up in a position like this and have an opinion like this and not understand how little it reflects the opinion of the American public. Danny G, this is, I mean, like when you hear this, the term governor is replacing, how crazy is this? I clearly hate racism more than you do, but this is just stupid. The term is not player owner, it's team owner. You don't own the players, you own the team. It's illogical. It makes absolutely no sense. This is where a commissioner needs to be able to speak to his to his players. And Adam Silver needs to say, look, I understand Draymond Green's perspective. It's just not one that's reflected by the vast majority of our fan base or the society. And we're going to look infinitely more ridiculous replacing the term owner with governor. Moreover, like I said, governor has at least as much 
of a connection historically in the United States with racism as owner does. So you're not even changing the storyline by picking governor over owner. It doesn't even erase the stupidity of your argument. The word that you have picked has at least as much of a historical connection, if not more, to racism than the word owner does. Eddie Garcia, I mean, what in the world can the NBA possibly be thinking? I I don't know. Um, This is, uh, we've talked about this before, this is ridiculous, and I I brought it up, and I still think it's hilarious that when we had the issue with the quote-unquote investor sitting courtside uh, for the Golden State Warriors that he was a minority He was a minority owner, and yet (laughs) the Warriors had changed the wording to you know, to placate, I guess players like Draymond Green, and then the media called them out for not calling him an owner, trying to. That's right. That's really funny. That's a great point. So when uh, the, the that's actually really funny, which points to the absurdity of the dance around the word choices here. You're right. There were people who were saying, "Oh, look, the Warriors are trying to pretend this guy is not an owner by calling him. What do they call them? Like investor. Uh, investor. Yeah. Yeah. Minority investor." Um, and so people were like, oh, look at this. Like the Warriors are trying to avoid, uh, you know, the, the fact that he's an owner by calling him an investor. So the, they got ripped for changing that. Uh, they're getting both sides of the equation. Roberto. Yeah, I definitely think this is racist, Clay. I mean, not just kidding. <laughs> how unbelievable yeah, so is this? Stupid. And how could you be paid millions of dollars like Adam Silver? And be this tone yeah, it, deaf it, it to almost, your community of, of of fans. It almost seems like he works for the players and not the owners. That's a that, great way of putting that, it. That's too. what it seems like. He's and not the. That's a good point because he's not the head of the players. No, he's not. Or something like that. Like he represents the ownership of the league. Although I guess the governorship of the league. Yeah. I just I, dub. Is there a single person who is called in that believes we need to change this this name? I think we may have one. Okay, one caller. Where is this caller from? He is from Birmingham, Alabama, and his name is John. Should I cue him up? Yeah. John, you are offended by the term owner. Um, not because of anyone in my family or community has ever been owned like people in other communities uh, have. Hold on, let's, be, let's hold I, on for a sec. Nobody has been owned in this country for 150 years. So no one who is living today in America has ever been owned by anyone else. Like historically, people in my community might have been owned, right? Like I don't know my family's entire history, but everybody, if you study history at all, slavery has existed throughout history, right? So whether you are European, whether you are African, whether you are Asian, there is a strong chance that at some point in time, somebody in your family has been owned because slavery was incredibly commonplace, whether it was in ancient Rome, whether it was in ancient Egypt, wherever you can look across the globe, slavery has existed throughout our history as humans. So the idea that the only place to ever have slavery was the United States, and we only had it, by the way, for 80 years in this country, out of the entirety, right? We had it from 1783 to 1863. So we had slavery for 80 years in this country. 
for 150 years since then plus we have not had slavery but so whatever almost 70 percent of our nation's history slavery has not existed and certainly there's no one alive today that has ever been a slave you would agree with all of that uh i think there are probably children held in slavery women held in slavery in this country but that's a whole different debate that's a long you know you know there because there's uh sex trafficking of women there's whatever on children but that wasn't the point i was going to make i i would go like this to me an owner is a person who has control of property because it is his or his company's or whatever yeah and what is the biggest asset that an that an nba team has it's the 15 or so players who are no, under contract it, with that team? It's the contracts, in my opinion. right? It's the contracts yeah, okay, the that contract. are the asset because the players are not slaves because the players have contracts to play basketball. But if they choose not to play basketball, they can go do any other profession in the world that they want to do. But they cannot go play basketball and make money in other for, in any other form, and that's the primary way they support them, and that's the primary I don't, skill hold they on. have. That they I market. don't even think I don't even think that's true. They cannot play basketball in the NBA, but I believe true. you could go to Australia if you wanted to and play basketball in Australia, or I believe you could go and go play in a European league. I don't think that an NBA contract would forbade you from playing. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe you can't play in any league anywhere, but I think you would be able to uh, to play in another league, right? Like, So you could have a, uh, a contract in the NFL, I believe, and go play in the XFL. You'd make less money, and you would have less people watching you, and it would be a poor financial decision but there are other places you could go play. So if you want to play for the most money, you sign a contract and you go play. So you believe the term owner should be banned? Well, let me respond to what you said, please, if you don't mind, Clay. I don't know that that's true or not. I know there's an organization called FIBA, like Federation of International Basketball Associations, that governs basketball as a whole. And I know that there are NBA player, former NBA players who have gone and played in China under contract with teams in China and they have not <laughs> excuse me for the, they have not been allowed to come back and play in the NBA until those contracts have expired and I and I know that to okay be so true it's possible it's possible back. that they have some sort of uh, cooperating agreement I don't know I don't particularly care my point is you can do any job under the sun other than play basketball four millions of dollars if you so choose which means that you are not a slave unless and maybe i missed this part of the history books most slaves were under contracts and were being paid millions of dollars to in order to pick cotton back in the day maybe i missed that and it's possible that that was in the history books that they had huge million dollar contracts to pick cotton and and in fact you know this is very similar to slavery but i don't recall that being the case Is John still there? I'm still here, yeah. Yeah, so what's your are you still haven't made an argument for why this term should not exist? Um I guess because it forbids movement and economic opportunities and it seems like the the players would be not you know, they're not slaves in the term in terms of control of 
of where they live and where they operate, but control of econ- economic opportunities. Yeah, but you're still, you're just, one. you're obviously, it seems to me, a fairly intelligent guy, but you still have not made an argument. The only argument you can make as to why this term should be banned is because some people are offended by it. And you still haven't well, made that argument. And I, and I don't have the intense emotional disregard dis- dis- for the term slave because, you know, I, in, at least within my recent family tree and myself, I have not been a slave like some people have right. who presently live in this country and other countries. No one like has recently been a slave in this country, John! For 150 years, that is eight generations. No one has been a slave in this country. You keep saying no one has recently in my family been a slave. No one has recently been a slave in this country. For 150 years, there has been no slavery. You're like, no one has recently fought in the Civil War in my family. No, no one has fought in the Civil War in a long-ass time. 150 years. It's not a short period of time. In the timeline of my life, it is. And I t- thought I pointed out to you about sex slaves and females being oh my God. activity. Uh, John, both in the U.S. And you've yet to make an argument here. What is your point? I'm just dis- I'm discounting the facts that you made that no one has been a slave in 150 years. Whether you like that or not, that's not true, Clay. If people are slaves in this country, it is a crime. What do you want me to do? Eradicated. You are you are comparing people who are sex slaves with NBA players. Well, you said there was no slavery in this country, so I'm gonna get your facts right. There isn't slavery in this country in the context Not as an of which thing. there is murder in this country. Right? It is prohibited. There are bad things that happen all over the world. You imbecile. There is no actual slavery. In that there isn't some market where people are going out and selling people, right? There are crimes. There are people right now who have handcuffs on, maybe in a house somewhere being held under the, against their will. They are not similar to NBA players. Don't you, you called think in to be offended by the term and- owner and have yet to make an argument for why it's offensive. Don't you think that people of good conscience in this country work either individually or together to eradicate problems in this country, such as terms that are used that demean other people? How is the term owner demeaned? Do you own a home, John? Uh, A bank and I do, yeah. Okay. So you have a mortgage. Do you refer to yourself as a homeowner or a home governor? I would refer to myself as a homeowner okay. because my house is a piece of property. It is not a collection of people. So a team is a piece of property, right? And when you own a your home, a- when you own your home, you don't own the people who live inside your home, right? There's a difference between owning a physical structure, i.e. a building that you live in, a domicile, and also there is a difference between owning a franchise right a physical team that you own and that you can buy or sell and owning the people who live inside of that company and work for you right so the analogy is the exact same so you're fine saying you're a homeowner but you're not fine saying that someone is a team owner i'm not fine saying someone is a team owner because a team owner is 
is, is you're correct. It's a collection of contracts, but those contracts are enforced by people. Therefore, All right, so the take a step back. Take it outside of the world of sports. Right. Every corporation in America has their top CEOs, vice presidents, CFOs. They're all under contracts, right? It's the Correct. exact same. So are you offended by a corporation having an owner too? Let me think about that because I want to answer you honestly. So like Disney. Disney is a huge corporation. Bob Iger is their CEO. There is a 1 billion percent chance that Bob Iger is under contract to Disney. Disney, the corporation, owns Bob Iger's contractual rights. The company owns his employment ability in the space of business. Bob Iger is in the same relationship with Disney that a player would be with a team that he is playing in basketball with. So are you offended by Disney having Bob Iger under contract and owning his employment services? I am not. However, if the people who work for Disney banded together and said they were offended by that term, I wouldn't have any problem with it, just as I don't have a problem with people in the NBA saying they're offended because I'm not in the NBA. Do you have any pets? I do. What do you have, dogs or cats? Uh, Two cats. All right, you have two cats. It's not a surprise to anybody here in this call. All right, so you are a cat owner. Um, All right. Uh, You own those cats. Is it offensive to animals for you to be described as a cat owner? If it makes you feel any better, I'm also very anti-guns if that feeds into your stereotype. But I consider myself a cat owner, yes, because they're totally those dependent animals, on me for food. Yeah, but those animals are real. They, they, they have feelings. You owning them is basically, it's unacceptable. Like the term of owner, you find offensive, yet you just own your cats. They are not able to communicate to me except through actions that they would be offended by it, and I have no sense that they would be offended by my being their owner. Okay, so what if a human doesn't have the ability to speak? You'd be fine over Then they that. shouldn't be owned. But I they can't tell you that enough. they're upset by it. But I would instinctively know that owning another human being was wrong. Why do you instinctively do not know that owning an animal is wrong? Hundreds of I don't years feel from like now, it. hundreds of years from now, I think it's very likely that you're going to be considered an awful person because I think people are going to sit back and they're going to say, how in the world did we think we should ever be able to own animals? They should be able to roam freely. Cat owners, dog owners, you're all awful human beings. I'm going to have to hang up with John. But the point here is even somebody who's trying to make an argument against this is too dumb to actually understand how ludicrous and, and, and illogical they actually sound. John owns a home, has no issue with being called a homeowner. Bob Iger, Disney CEO, under contract, absolutely no issues associated with that at all. There is a fundamental, I would say stupidity in many ways, when you actually break down any of these arguments John couldn't even make an argument. Really what this argument boils down to is if anyone on the planet is offended by anything, then you aren't allowed to use that word anymore, right? And the new that word is owner. That's where we are. We have so over expanded the use of 
language in this country that now the NBA has decided that the term owner is offensive and they have replaced it by governor. The irony here is the term governor is every bit as offensive to some people, right? As the term owner is. And this is why we end up in such stupid, ridiculous places as we are now. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! What's the secret to catching prize-worthy fish in exotic waters? Learning to fish like a local with Fishing Booker. Hey, Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. There's only one way to turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day, and that's with the valuable knowledge of a local guide. With FishingBooker.com, you have the world's largest booking platform of local fishing guides right at your fingertips. Use Fishing Booker's easy-to-use online booking system and discover thousands of local fishing charters from around the world ready to share their tricks 
tricks of the trade. Create your perfect fishing experience and search for charters by location, species, salt versus freshwater, and more. Plus, it's smooth sailing with Fishing Booker's simple online payment method. You'll always fish with confidence when you start fishing like a local. Start your angling adventure now with Fishing Booker. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Pirelli tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their pirelli test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be we are joined now uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, by Vanderbilt men's baseball coach Tim Corbin. Coach, uh, first, congratulations on advancing to the uh, the College World Series, and thanks for getting up early with us this morning to uh, to talk about it here into the uh, the game against Michigan tonight, starting the final series. What kind of role has your team gotten on, and have you ever seen anything like it? I think you guys are something like thirty four and three or thereabouts in your last 37 did you ever think that you could get on a roll like this this year not like that clay i think that that type of play is just about consistency and i think you know i'm not smart enough to come up with another word because really when i look at them they're they've just been very mature you know we get 18 19 20 year old kids and you have them for a long extended amount of time you just try to find a place where they can center themselves and they have and they've done it real well to a point where they've created a lot of harmony inside the program so uh they've just been the recipients of good outcomes because they've really stuck to being able to focus in and certain moments and focus such a broad word but when young kids can do that and be very deliberate about what they're doing they, they seem to get great payoffs we're talking to Tim Corbin. You guys lost the first game in your Super Regional against Duke, and Duke really kind of handled it and took it to you there. And then you had uh, a must-win scenario, and you give the ball to a true freshman, Kumar Rocker, who comes out and strikes out 19 and throws a no-hitter. How nervous were you? How nervous do you think the team was as you had to come out in that game in the Super Regional against Duke? And does it help you a little bit now as you've continued to advance in knowing that you can literally go get your backs against the wall and still find a way to win? Yeah, I think there's been you know several outcomes during the course of the year that, that pointed us in that direction. That's certainly one of them. I don't, we wouldn't be in this particular situation right now if it wasn't for that outing and it wasn't for that moment. But, you know, the, the night before, Clay, it was just we got blasted so good that it, it just didn't even really make sense. It was just like an anomaly. So... It, that night, we said, all right, get rid of it. You know, it would have been worse for the last three to two because then you, you feel the after effects of a close loss, but this wasn't. And uh, when Kumar got the ball, you get into the third and fourth and fifth inning, and then after the fifth inning, 
I think he had a one, two, three, four inning where he struck out four hitters, but one reached on a wild pitch. And you felt like this kid's just relentless. He's not going to give up anything. And it was like a team moment where a guy was protecting the opportunities of the team and doing the best he could. And then obviously when he gets deep into that ball game, the eighth, you're going, this guy's going to finish this game off. But that was such a clutch moment for us because those runs were tough to come by in that game, and we were gripping it. Yeah, guys in scoring position couldn't get a hit, and he was keeping them down, and his ability to keep them down gave us an opportunity to kind of catch our breath offensively, win that game. And when we won that game, that was kind of our moment. That was the organic moment that you want as a coach that you can find within competition that you say, okay, now our team, I I felt we were fine after that. Once we got through that game, I said, okay, now we'll, we'll be fine. We'll play well. It's remarkable in many ways what you've been able to accomplish at Vanderbilt. You've already won one national championship. You're now playing for potentially a second, and you guys have been in the the finals of the College World Series before as well. But in particular, this run. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how many people who are listening to us right now know this story at all. And I know it's one that you have talked about and dealt with from an emotional perspective for a very long time. But you lost a player when he was a freshman that would be, I believe, a senior on this year's team. For people who do not know that story, I think a lot of people across the country starting off their morning uh, will be watching your team tonight against Michigan or certainly will be paying attention to the College World Series. What happened and how has that brought your team together for people who may not know the story about the player that you lost four years ago? Yeah, it's one of those the toughest moments we've you know had in the program for sure. We were in a regional in 2016, and a young man named Donnie Everett, who most people, at least in the Vanderbilt circle, know for sure, um, was a, a pitcher that turned down significant money to come to school, a uh, young man from Clarksville. And uh, when we were, we were in a regional, we, we practiced early on a Thursday, and uh, you know, I just told the kids to be back in the dorm on, on Friday night, and uh, Donnie and a couple of our other players just went fishing. They went fishing, and you think of all the things you would, wouldn't want your kids to do. That, that's certainly not one of them. You say, yeah, fishing, no problem. Uh, they never returned, and uh, he never returned. And he drowned in a, in a fishing accident, going in the water and not being able to, to get back up again. And uh, that, was, that was devastating. You know, we had a lot, of, a lot of freshmen on that team who you mentioned are seniors now, seven of them. And uh, I think when you go to school and you're a student athlete, you don't really anticipate being at the front row of a funeral or being a polder in a funeral. And uh, Donnie, you know, I, I hate to over-dramatize the kid, Clay, but he, he was the next great one. The last pitch he threw was 101 miles an hour, and the SEC has always honored him by putting 101 underneath the video board in the tournament and this year because he was a senior. This would be the last year they did it, but they did it to honor him and his parents and I, you know, I certainly think that the guys have drawn off of that. You know, we've we certainly have talked about him numerously. His parents are with us right now. They're part of our family now. We, they're just part of everything that we do, and we've taken them in. And that's certainly been the positive from losing Donnie. But at the same time, I think the kids have been calloused by it, and I think a, a lot of what they've done, and particularly in school and and and, and sport. Um, they've gone through something that most 40-year-olds end up going through, or 50-year-olds, not not 18, 19 years old. So it certainly has been something that uh, we've been drawn to in our in our last four years. 
and and the kid you're mentioning um, was an only child, right? And that's a storyline that I think uh, his, his family, his mom and his dad have you guys have embraced them uh, as a part of the Vanderbilt baseball family, and, and they're in Omaha now. Uh, I mean, that experience has to be incredibly emotional for you guys, in addition to the overall emotions that come with competing for a championship like this. But to do it in what would have been his senior year, uh, I mean, I mean it's, it, it's just got to be, uh, at times, I would imagine, a little bit just overwhelming to even think about. Yeah, I did a story for ESPN the other day, and sat down with a writer for about 45 minutes and you know when you 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 walk walk her through that you know it just it just takes you back to those moments and oftentimes when you get there you just pull away from it because you don't want to live that emotional scene again but the 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 thing that, that teddy and susan i mean they're here with us they went out to dinner with the team last night they're in the front of the bus we won the other night to get into the championship round and Teddy has all the players in his room till 3 a.m. or at least that night, and he's just taking care of them, and he's watching them and laughing with them. And I thought, you know, that's that's the benefit of all of this. And, and uh, you know, Donnie would have really enjoyed watching his parents enjoy this opportunity because of what happened in, in some way. We're talking with Tim Corbin. You can follow him on Twitter and thank him for getting up early with us in the morning here as Vanderbilt gets ready to play Michigan in the College World Series. He's at Tim Corbin, T-I-M-C-O-R-B-I-N. I'll tweet out his, uh, his Twitter handle as well. You mentioned that you advanced, uh, had an uh, incredibly exhilarating, exciting game on Friday against Louisville. A lot of talk going back and forth, a lot of trash talk sometimes. How do you get your team dialed back down to be ready to play on Monday coming off of such a big win and such an exuberant, exuberant moment as you advance to the final of the College World Series? Well, I think the key was not having to play Saturday play. If we had to play that game, that would have been tough. That was, uh, that was certainly an emotional game. That, that kid from Louisville, Smith, pitched the, the game. Uh, I'm not going to say of his life because he's probably pitched a lot of good games. I don't want to minimize what he's done through time, but he, he, he pitched one of the best games I've seen, especially in that situation. He put Louisville on his back, uh, and uh, we just couldn't get to him. So runs were tough to come by, and we scored those two in the top of the ninth and then held on in a dramatic way with a, with a great catch by Harrison Ray to kind of clinch the win. And, you know, after that, the emotions were high. You could tell. Uh, if I told you this, this is the quietest winning team we've ever had. You get on a bus after a game, nothing. It's quiet. They just they don't say a word. But that particular game, you know, they, they, they put on music on the bus, and they were happy because of the drama of the game and, and knowing what they're going to do. And uh, at that point right there, we just the next day, we had to get some rest. We, we, didn't, we didn't do any baseball. We just lifted. But we just had to remove ourselves from that, and uh, we did now. You know, how we do going forward, we'll see. I think these guys are, you know, I can count on them and trust them to kind of contain their emotions. And when you get into this moment right here, you do. You have to contain your adrenaline in, in terms of being able to, to feel the situation enough. But you, if you feel it too much, then you can't tap into your skill set. We've got to be centered tonight. Uh, talking to Vanderbilt baseball coach Tim Corbin, I got to know, I, I am a Little League third baseball coach, third base coach. Okay. So uh, it's 2-1. It's the top of the ninth, and you get a ripped double down the line, 
and you got a runner on first. And granted, he's the number four overall draft pick by the Florida Marlins, uh, and he's had a pretty good year coming around. Were you waving him home, or were you telling him to stop? Did he run through your signal to tie that game up with the head first slide at home? I was waving him. I, I, I thought that play through because, you know, Ethan's got the potential to shoot one of those balls in the corner, Clay. So I, I'm thinking to myself, I've got to play this out. I think you always do it third base, especially in, in those situations. And I felt like I knew the right fielder was quick. I knew he had a good arm. And I knew that the shortstop and second baseman could throw. And But, you know, in, in those situations right there, they've, they've got to make two perfect throws. And you got to put pressure on the plate. And if you get thrown out, which you could have, then it, it would have. We wouldn't have this conversation. But I just felt like we had an opportunity to score right there. Runs are tough to come by in this place, and I said we're going to we're going we're gonna to do it. And JJ did a nice job of cutting the corners. I thought I thought when he got around third base play, he cut that corner really well. It's just the difference in feet sometimes because if he doesn't, then the catcher has more time to catch the ball, uh, and he didn't. He had to make a quick tag, which cost him the opportunity to really contain the ball and and we scored so that was a big play and then DeMarco's a bat after that the two strike ball down the line was was certainly the winner for us did you think as he was rounding third and you saw the relay coming through that he was going to be safer out because <laughs> I'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you I was watching at home and I said because <laughs> yeah. I got my boys with me and by the way my wife yeah. and my middle son are, are flying up to watch this series I said, I think he's going to hold him. And then as yeah. I saw the relay coming in, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be tight at the plate. So everybody <laughs> in my house was jumping up. But I thought he was going to be out. I thought that you had to for a minute think, oh, no. Because I'll tell you this, when I was playing, and look, I'm Little League, right? But I got a kid yeah. thrown out at home plate with no outs. Uh, and, uh, and 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 I, it's Little League. The guy, the catcher made the catch, and he made the tag, and I couldn't believe it on the relay. And I was like, man, the odds were really low on that. But you've done this a ton. You had to be thinking, uh-oh, he's going to be out in some part of your head when you watch the turn. Yeah, but I think, you know, as long as there's no outs, I just said, screw it. And, you know, I'm waving my arm, and I said that he's, he's going. He's, yeah. he's got to get there. So, yeah, I mean, I think all those emotions go through your mind a little bit. But when you're playing aggressive, you, you just you can't go there uh, until the play's finished. And then you're thinking to yourself, okay, but – um, I, I just thought in some way we, we've got to try to score him at that point and just hope it, it would come out well. What does it say about your team that you've got a guy in J.J. Blade who is, I think, again, the number four overall pick, and he's yeah. going that hard coming around third base, face first, head first, slide into home plate, giving it his every single attribute to try to win a championship. I mean, that kind of speaks for the, the tone that your team has overall, I think, as well, right? Yeah, I'd be very motivated. I mean, JJ's a special player, and he's a special kid. I mean, it's not a kid. He's like coaching a 40-year-old. There's just no maintenance to him whatsoever. But, you know, JJ's had to learn how to run the bases, so that particular play you're talking about right there, you don't really want your kids going head first into the shin guards. But he did because he, he probably felt that he was going to go wide and tap with his left hand, but he ended up sliding into shin guards. And Thank goodness he was safe. He got right back up. But, uh, and he could have probably broke his hand as well. So in our camps next week when I'm teaching sliding into home plate, that's one of the things I'm going to tell them not to do. <laughs> but it, it turned, out, turned out well. And as, as you mentioned, that, that right there was motivation. I think there's, there's a lot of motivating points inside that game, emotional points. And 
that was certainly one of them. We're talking to Vanderbilt men's baseball coach uh, Tim Corbin, that game going on tonight in the College World Series against Michigan. College baseball uh, is uh, nowhere near as popular in general as college basketball and as, uh, as certainly college football. I've always right. wondered why exactly that is. You had, I thought, a really interesting take about things that should be happening in college baseball to make it more uh, more appealing and to make it a larger context. One thing is more scholarships. Another thing is more coaches. In an ideal world, as you guys get set to take the field and get all of the attention in the Vanderbilt-Michigan series, what could make the larger sport of college baseball better in your mind? Well, I just think at the base level, at uh, the grassroots level where kids enter the game and stay in the game, I think there's a point, Clay, that at 10, 11, 12 years old, kids start making decisions on what they want to do and how they want to potentially get their college education. And when kids say, I want to use my skill set to, to gain a, a college education, they, they look at you know a lot of different things. But you know, baseball, the opportunities in baseball are minimal for a lot of kids just because it's low scholarship sport, 11.7. So um, you have to split those scholarships up numerous ways. And, you know, at Vanderbilt, we have financial aid, and that, that helps. And people would say, well, you got 35 free scholarships. We don't have that. I mean, we've got scholarships, and, and kids pay a lot of money to go here. We've got a lot of people on the field that pay a lot of money to be on the field. Um, so there, there's no such thing as a full scholarship at, in college baseball. We don't give those things away. But um, I think it's that. And then you talked about the coach and my rant, I guess, yesterday, because I had the opportunity to do so, was talking about a paid assistant that has been a volunteer for a long period of time. And my, my, my simple point is this, is when you open that position up, you can potentially open it up to more people and giving more people the opportunity to coach allows young people from all different backgrounds, minorities, females, what have you, to look at that situation and say, you know what, uh, this is going to offer me an opportunity to coach. Then young kids see people like themselves and they go, yeah, I want to stay in this game because there's people like me that coach it. And right now we're kind of one-sided. So, uh, you know, I've got strong feelings towards that. And right now I, I probably could just got to contain my emotions on tonight's game. But I, I feel strongly about that if we're going to grow the sport. But the sport's grown a lot in the time that I've been here. You know, TV's had a lot to do with that. The network has had a lot to do with that with the SEC and certainly uh, allowed us to celebrate our kids. So, um, you know, a lot of good things in, inside what we're doing. A lot of Dodger fans listening right now. Quickly, Walker Bueller had 16 strikeouts. He's one of your studs that's come out of the Vanderbilt pitching universe. How much do you enjoy watching him? Love him. He's, he's you know, he texts all the time. He's on this tournament that we're playing, but he was one of the best pitchers we had out here in Omaha. You talk about his starts here, they were prolific. So he's doing what we thought he was capable of doing. High, high confident kids. So uh, he's on a very good team right now, and he's got a chance to pitch deep into the postseason. I would imagine if they continue to play well, he might have a chance at that all-star game too, I would imagine, with that ERA and what he's doing. So very happy for him and many others that are playing right now. Outstanding stuff, Vanderbilt baseball coach Tim Corbin. This is OutKick. Be sure to catch live editions of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. One, uh, I'd encourage you guys to go download the podcast. A couple of major more, uh, stories in the world of sports. We talked with Alex Curry in France as the U.S. women get prepared to take on Spain 
in uh, their round of uh, 16 knockout game. That will be at noon Eastern on FS1. Uh, That will be entertaining to follow. Coming up in the next segment of this hour, we will go to Omaha, Nebraska and talk with Vanderbilt men's baseball coach Tim Corbin as Vanderbilt and Michigan get ready to compete in the College World Series. Best two out of three uh, to determine the overall college baseball champion this year, Vanderbilt going up against Michigan. But... This news story has broken. We talked about this earlier this month, and we put up a poll question over it because I thought it was so ridiculous. The NBA, this is real. This is not a made-up story. I I apologize to everybody waking up across the country who the first thing you're going to hear in the world of sports today. Some of you are like, screw it. Just turn off the radio. I'm done with America today. The NBA has decided to ban the term owner because it is racially insensitive. The term owner, as in you are a homeowner, as in you are a pet owner, as in you own your car, hopefully, as in you own your lawnmower, the owner of a team, some people are too dumb. Some of them are making millions of dollars, ironically, and they're too dumb. Some people are too dumb to understand the difference between a person owning a team and owning players on that team, I swear to God, this is real. The NBA is replacing the term owner with governor. Now, these are not synonyms. Owner and governor are two different terms that don't actually reflect what's legitimately going on here. But Adam Silver talking to TMZ Sports, here is the audio. So the 76ers owner moved away from the term owner and now goes managing partner, right? Um, do you see that happening more in the NBA? Do you like the idea that they're moving away from that term owner? I, I do. I don't want to overreact to the term because, yeah. as I've said earlier, people end up twisting themselves into knots, avoiding the use of the word owner. Yeah. But we moved away from that term years ago with the league. We call our team owners the governor of the team and alternate governors. But so I, I think it makes sense. As, as I said, I, I don't want to overreact. And it, you'll find the word throughout memos over the past decade in the NBA. But I, I'm Says Adam Silver. But we are replacing the entire word in every part of correspondence in the league with the term governor and alternate governor. I just, I I swear to God, some of the absurdities that exist in our country today make me want to jump off a bridge because I legitimately wonder how do we ever get to a place where the dumbest among us are leading us? Used to be intelligent people sat around and they had discussions and we didn't allow the dumbest group of people in the country to lead us and then social media happened and now everybody out there feels like they're entitled to share their opinion and have their feelings taken into account and if you're offended by anything it has to cease to exist we live in a cancel culture where oh there's a word that upsets me well that word shouldn't exist anymore Oh, there's a, uh, there's a phrase that bothers me. No, that phrase shouldn't exist anymore. Oh, like, I am so bothered. I'm so triggered. I'm so worried about things. We have entered into 
such a absurd politically correct society that I don't even know which way is up hardly now. And there are a lot of you out there listening. And what's fascinating about this is people of all races, genders, ethnicities, and religions feel this way. There are studies that have been done. Pew Research, I think it was, did an incredible study that found that the vast majority of the American public, people of all different races, genders, ethnicities, and religions, agree that we are drowning in political correctness in this country. So you just heard, to me, this is an interesting example of the world of sports. The term owner is not offensive. It is not racially insensitive. It is not remotely that way. Let me go ahead and explain this for people who don't understand it. And I'll take it outside of the world of sports for a moment. I am under contract to the owners of Premier Radio Network or whatever the heck Premier's official title is. I have a contract to do radio with them. I cannot do radio with anybody else. If tomorrow morning ESPN or CBS or NBC came to me and they said, Clay Travis, we want you to be doing radio on our sports networks, as frankly they should because of the amount of success we're having here. If they came to me and they said, we will pay you 10 times as much money to do your show on our network or satellite radio came to me exclusively, any of that happened, I would not be contractually permitted to do that because I am under contract to do a radio program for Fox Sports Radio. That does not mean that radio, that Premier owns me, right? The owners of Premier have a contractual right to my radio performance. I am not owned. If I decided tomorrow that I didn't want to do radio anymore, I wouldn't have to do radio anymore. I could walk away. I could go do any number of other jobs and there would be no requirement that I do radio. In fact, if Premier sued me to do radio, the courts could not compel me to do radio for them. They might be able to find damages, probably not, but they might be able to find damages because I was walking away from my contract. And if they did, I might owe money to Premier. But you can't be compelled to provide labor for anyone. And this is me putting on my lawyer hat for you. Just simply walking you through the logic behind this, right? What Premier, my radio company that I work for, owns is the contracted to right for me to do labor on radio. Similarly, NBA players are not owned by the teams which employ them. The individual teams have the right to their contracted for labor in the sport of basketball. If any NBA player decides to retire, they don't have to play basketball anymore. And the team doesn't have to pay them anymore. That is not slavery. Unless, unless maybe I missed the part where players could decide not to be slaves anymore and go do other jobs. The ownership status of slavery is not in any way similar to what I just described to you. I have the ability to contract 
for myself, as NBA players do, to make as much money as I possibly can. And if I decide to do radio or if they decide to play basketball, that's the way we choose to do it. But if I decided tomorrow I want to go back to practicing law full-time, I could walk away from my radio contract and go start practicing law. Just like every NBA player, if they suddenly decided to play football or if they suddenly decided to play baseball or if they suddenly decided to go to law school and become a lawyer, could walk away from the practice of basketball and not have to do it anymore. And the team would have no recourse because all they have is a contractual obligation for that individual to play basketball for them. The fact that we are bending our language to reflect the stupidity of people who are too dumb to understand what I just walked through with you is, I think, a sign that our society is fundamentally on the wrong track. I mean this honestly. I think there are many, in fact, the vast, vast majority of you that are out there listening right now saying this is just another reason why we are in the spot we are as a country. And the ironic thing is the tiny, tiny minority of people offended by the word owner that are demanding that it be changed are honestly doing the best thing they could to get Donald Trump reelected in 2020. Because there are a ton of people out there listening to me right now who hear a story like that and they throw up their hands and they say, Donald Trump is an inelegant vessel for a belief system that I hold, which is that the country has gone insane and somebody has to fight back against the absurdity of canceling out words like owner. And Trump, with all of his uncouth and absurd and ridiculous behavior while president is at least willing to throw punches back at stories like these. What's going to be amazing to see is, and again, I I put up a poll question. Dub looked it up. In early June, when this story first broke, I had over 40,000 people voted at Clay Travis on my Twitter feed, and 96% of you said this was ridiculous that the term owner is not racially insensitive. Is the majority of the NBA, are the majority of the NBA players black? Yes. But the majority of the NHL players are white. The majority of baseball players are white and Hispanic. They all work for team owners too. So the concept that this is in some way racist or racially insensitive is so dumb it almost boggles my mind on top of that the NBA changing the term to governor is ridiculous because these aren't synonyms synonyms are two words that effectively mean the same thing and can be used interchangeably a governor has a completely different definition than an owner The governor of your state doesn't own the state. He's just there as a representative to govern the state. So those two things don't even mean the same things. They are replacing a word which is perfectly useful to describe the situation. If you own a small business, do you know what you are? 
a small business owner. You are not a small business governor. If you described yourself as a small business governor, nobody would have any idea what you're talking about, and they certainly wouldn't think that you own the business. If you described yourself as a home governor, no one out there would understand what you were saying because they would have no earthly idea what a home governor is. If you go into a pet store and you say, hey, I am a pet governor. I'm trying to buy food as part of my governing of my pet. People would have no idea what you were talking about. Worst of all, the term owner, far from being racially insensitive, should be aspirational for everyone. Your goal in modern American society, if you believe in capitalism, which I do, if you believe in this country's ideals, which I do, should be to be part of the ownership society. You should be aspiring to own a home. You should be aspiring to own a business. You should be aspiring to do something other than be an employee and have other people dictate your stature in life. Michael Jordan becoming an owner of an NBA franchise is to me more impressive than Michael Jordan was on the basketball court because he was so good at his job that he ascended to become one of the 30 owners of an NBA franchise. Jordan should be emulated by athletes everywhere. Instead of being an employee, he became an owner. That's the route to generational wealth. That's the pathway to success in this country. There are very few people who become incredibly wealthy without owning businesses or without owning their own home or without owning the mechanism by which they make a living. This is total BS. It's absurdity of the highest order and magnitude and sports fans, regardless of your race, gender, ethnicity, or religion, should be, and I think are, throwing up their hands saying, how are we getting this so wrong? How, as a society, and I think sports is a reflection of this, are we allowing the nincompoops in our universe to dictate the directions that we go as a country? Reasonable people, generally speaking, govern a democracy. The vast majority which is often unsilent. Sorry, that is often silent. That is often not screaming and throwing fits and falling down on the fainting couch all of the time are the silent majority, very often the case. How did we end up in this place where the NBA is defining the term owner to be racially insensitive? And how do we get back to a place of normalcy in this country? I don't know that there's an easy answer. People say, why do you care about things like this? Because if we don't combat stupidity, we go further down the path of stupidity. And so I got a big voice. All 50 states, 300 plus affiliates, satellite radio, lots of you listening on a podcast. I got to punch back and call out idiocy when I see it and this is one of the most idiotic things I've ever seen a league do 
in my history of life as a sports fan. I genuinely mean that. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that. But there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. 